0: Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope podcast. Uh, Today's episode 63. I'm your host, Ryan Besor And today we have on the show, Michael Pedrosi, the managing partner of Capital Transport. Michael, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the honor to be on the uh, 63rd
1: episode. Um, and uh, eager to hear what questions you guys have for me in the exciting transport sector of cannabis in Michigan
0: you got it this is our first conversation on transport and uh i I do have some intriguing questions i've been wondering about so um, i'm looking forward to it but uh with that we got tom beller up at real tom how you doing today
2: doing great man beautiful afternoon haven't spoke with michael in a while so it's nice to catch up yep
0: kevin over in lanson
3: yeah, no, exactly what Tom said, you know, uh, I've always gotten along really well with Michael and, uh, we always have good conversations when he stops by the shop. So, uh, haven't talked in a while. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the show and, uh, looking forward to it. So yeah, let's get after it. You got it. You got it.
0: So I've, uh, I first heard about Michael and Capital Transport from, from Kevin and then from Tom as well. And Kevin's always said real, real good things, uh, about the, uh, about Michael and about the business. And then, uh, we had a uh, Lansing Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, economic luncheon. Normally, it would have been in person, but we did it virtually, and it was really well attended. And and uh, Michael, uh, whose business is located in Lansing, was uh, was on it as well. So we got to hear you talk, and knew uh, knew you knew what you're uh, you're professional at that point. So um, it's an with attempt. that, it's an attempt. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was great. Uh, we uh, that was a great panel, and. Um, but with that i am uh i've got some questions but i wanted to find out about like your background always interesting to hear uh you know where you grew up from michigan or not and uh what led you to being a marijuana transporter
1: yeah no problem again thanks for having me kevin thanks for uh facilitating uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on with you guys um yeah uh grew up in michigan um, in dare i say one of the i don't know if it's an official or unofficial epicenter of Cannabis in Michigan, and Sterling Heights. Um, A lot of folks uh, in the industry that I bump into I haven't seen in quite some time, and uh, that's always fun. So, grew up in Sterling Heights. Uh, I'm 40 years old, Um, so date me back. I'm a child of the late 80s and 90s. So, it's one of my favorite phrases, is let's do it like we used to do it in the 90s. Um, And uh, went to uh, Central Michigan University Spent some time there, spent an extra year there, Um, and uh, I have an accounting degree. I may, if I'll give you the run of my unimpressive resume. um, I'm a CPA. Uh, I'm also a licensed uh, builder, licensed real estate broker, and the recipient of the first, one of the first licenses in Michigan for the the commercial cannabis industry. so uh, how I got into this, I guess I can, I can just segue right into that. Um, like I said, I, I grew up in an area where there's a lot of people that um, uh, participate in, in the industry. Um, always was close with a bunch of them. And I just happened to be, actually I was, I was actually at a funeral for one of my friend's parents. Sitting at the luncheon, um, some folks at the table, some of which I know you guys know them. Um, it's, it's me and, a, and an attorney and a doctor and everybody else is in the uh, caregiver cannabis industry. And uh, they're talking about this upcoming law change and all that. And uh, it just sparked an interest for me. Um, I respect the people that were saying that, that it's, that it's gonna be an opportunity. And once I looked into it and saw that there might be this little niche that uh, even though I s- stepped out of that, for a long period of my life uh, that, that it, it was a little niche that I could get back into it. Um, it's the least glamorous, it's the least glitzy, but uh, it's, unfortunately it's, for me, unfortunately for the rest of the industry, it's a, it's a necessity that's put into the statute. Um, so uh, that's, that's where the idea came from. Met with a couple teams up in Lansing shortly thereafter. Just got in a you know lay of the land of the Lansing uh, existing cannabis market. So this would have been probably in like 2017, late 17, 18, mm-hmm. you know, and then headed back up there in 18, and I think there were 85 dispensaries. Kevin, you probably know better. Um, when I was driving around with this person, and uh, now we're down to the, the high 20s or whatever, um, and just took it from there. Talked to a, a friend of mine that I knew for 20 years. I, I was self-employed in the construction business. He was self-employed in another industry we started talking and decided to make it our goal to get get one of those licenses so um yeah it, and that's then we went through the 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 gyration that everybody uh, has gone through at least in some way shape or form uh we were in the beginning so we were dealing with the board dealing with nine thousand documents for just two people um because it's just my mm-hmm. partner and i and uh our initial goal was to be the first uh, licensed, approved cannabis company in Michigan. Uh, they wouldn't let us go on the first board meeting by ourselves, so they pushed us in with, uh, with a couple other folks, but uh, we, we attained to that. So we were the first approved transport company um, in Michigan and one of the first, I think there were four of us that were approved initially um, at the July 2018 meeting. So we passed the bar with everybody's favorite uh, gentleman. Um, the, uh, the good sergeant on the uh, on the board. I won't I won't say his name, Don Bailey, too much. But so we passed his 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 mark, um, which is an accomplishment in itself, I guess. And uh, just uh, started trying to get the operations going.
2: Hey, Michael. <clears throat> yes, sir. You mentioned that you had one of the first uh, one of the first licenses for transport in the state of Michigan. Uh, I was just curious. What is your take on where the market is? now versus uh at the very beginning because i was right there with you i remember you you and kevin coming up and visiting and we'd have nice long conversations and kind of talk about this whole process and how our experience seems very similar you know uh throughout this whole thing but i'd like to get your take from a transporter's view uh, as far as like how have things changed you know maybe how things were starting off and you know the earlier stages has been walk us through into where we are today
1: sure 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 and i and i know that uh, a lot of similarities because of all of us uh, got in or transitioned, and I should say, in the in the beginning stages, um, and and there were there were challenges. Uh, there are inherent challenges with with the new industry and a whole new licensing and a statute and everyone's uh, feeling on that. Um, but then, of course, in the beginning, we we were approved. Uh, like I said, in July of 18, so it was, I think. There were one grow, one processor, one store, and us that were approved. No testing lab. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Pushing us to get get these documents in, get approved, and there's no full supply chain. So now we're looking at what we've done and we can't get started. So a little bit of frustration there, but what we did is just took that, uh, that time as an opportunity to go out and uh, meet people that we that we didn't already know that were in the industry. So, Tom being one of them, um, Kevin as well. I mean, we might have met Kevin on the driveway in his building uh, one day. Um, so, we used that time, uh, and, and I don't know the exact time, but it was a few months, three, four months, let's just say, where um, until they got the full supply chain. Then the state kind of flipped the switch on the industry. Uh, and then you know, as, as we've seen throughout, you know, there's different different groups advocating for different things. So long story short, we were ready to go and then some stays were put in, I believe, um, you know, to, to allow uh, the existing caregiver product to go into the stores. So that kind of dipped us out again because we, we, we were not allowed to move between care, caregiver facilities and, and the commercial market. So again, another, you know, totally understand everything that's going on, but from our standpoint, we're like, damn, now we gotta wait again. So use that as another opportunity to just go knock on doors. I mean, we, Kevin and I traveled throughout the state of Michigan for weeks on end, just uh, doing cold calling really, uh, which was something that I have never had to do in my in my career. So, but uh, got used to it real quick. And what I observed and, and what Kevin, uh, uh, agreed on is uh, you knock on somebody's door, like Tom's for example, never met the man in my life, knocked on his door and what did he do? He invited us in and had a nice talk. In any other industry that I've been involved in, I've never experienced anything like that uh, where there's just an open arms uh, culture uh, and and we embrace that and, and really that right there made the fact that we just spent so I, I'll say the number. What the hell? Sixty-six thousand dollars on a license that we couldn't use, or seventy-one thousand with, with, the, with the city of Lansing, um, and it, it softened the blow because we started making connections and networking. And and right now, you know, I don't. We don't do a lot of a, a lot of business for you, Tom. But I am totally comfortable saying anything and everything to you still. So th- this is just an example. Um, of, of, of the type of, of industry we're all involved in. And it's uh, it's fantastic in that regard. Keep fast forwarding in the timeline. Um, it We had enough licenses. The state thought we had enough product. They turned on the model. Um, we started going like crazy. So in the beginning, it was my partner Kevin and I in the little minivan whipping around the state doing pickups and deliveries, uh, you know, which we planned on doing anyways. Um, to learn how everything went and just to meet everybody and um, we called it the weed wagon. So we said, you know, we would always say, where are we going in the weed wagon today? Um, so that, so that kind of stayed normal. Again, a few more hiccups, for, at least from our side, as far as not having um, you know, having a, a couple intervals there where they paused things um, and, and uh, went back and forth a little bit. But after all that stuff was cleared up and most people were happy, you know, we started hiring people, and uh, you know the market was much better. Um, everybody was learning. Uh, you know, I had no I had no uh, false idea that we were going to come into this and say, "Hey, this is a logistics company. And let's do everything like a real logistics company does." It's totally different than that. So, you know, in the beginning, it was it was really a a a courier service, an on-demand courier service that we were running. So, just to, to try and answer some of your question tom like that that's how the market was when it really started to get going we were a courier service that delivered one specialized product and everything was just in time and, and all this and of course everybody's learning so it, it it was no big deal um then COVID and the shutdowns hit and uh we had some individuals that uh you know were, were I, had, I had a lansing firefighter with asthma he said hey, you're not going out there and messing around with with that so Kevin and I got back in the van to substitute and that was another hell of an experience just working in that atmosphere. Again, here we are in industry. um, Everybody's sitting at home. I'll I'll be, I don't mind saying it. Everyone's sitting at home, living their best life and all of us here are grinding. So, because we didn't shut down and I think that matured the industry a lot more too. and again, out and about with everybody. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic and no one's sour, no one's complaining. We're all just going to work and everyone's pleasant and, uh, and things move on. So now from then until now, I mean, we've just been increasingly growing. The market volume has obviously gone up across the board. Um, we see that uh, We see that in the, in the volume of deliveries as well as in the volume of each individual delivery, which I think is all going in the right direction.
3: So hopefully that, hopefully that.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, man.
3: So, so Michael, um, you know, one of the things I, I, uh, I love about you and Kevin is, is, is you, when you, when you were telling your story about how, uh, you know, you guys got delayed Uh, but you got approved by the board and then you were delayed because of the temporary operators and whatnot instead of just going home and sitting around or going back to your old job you guys actually hit the 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 ground and started actually networking and and that's like you said how you ran into me uh i think you were just driving by i was out in the parking lot we got to talking i invited you in we sat down and we had some conversations and, and then you guys stopped back like two or three more times before you even started doing work you know and just building those relationships which i think is incredibly important. Um, Not enough people understand the culture. Uh, in marijuana and and the relationships are are so important i think to me and 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 most of the other people in this this industry and i think that uh that really gave you guys a a great jump start uh the other thing i I, i'll never ever not mention when i talk about michael is every year they bring me baklava for christmas (laughs) a big load up of baklava stuff's awesome i look forward to it every year and uh so that's another perk of work with these guys but um you know uh ryan mentioned we worked on the on the lansing chamber of commerce uh marijuana industry panel. Uh, from what I know, that was a, the first of its kind. Um, you know, speak to me about the importance of, of being a member of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the networking that you get from that. And then along with that, the, uh, the MICIA. You're also a member of the MICIA. Um, I know that we have uh, over 300 members in the MICIA. And and kind of talk to me about uh, that a little bit. Sure.
1: Yeah. and uh, Both of those, uh, the similarities with those, again, are just the benefit of, of not only just meeting people, but getting to know them. You can walk around a room and 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 go to a random mixer, um, which I've been to a hundred of them, especially in the beginning. Um, you start to you start to know which ones are are, are value added for your specific purposes and which ones are not. So with those two organizations. Um, you get a more, uh, you know, the the relation you build more of a relationship, Kevin, like you're saying. Um, it's it's a it's a beefier. There's more meat on the bone to the conversations instead of just here's my card, here's my card. Uh, you know, let me sell you some grow lights or let me transport your. Stuff. You know, it's it's deeper than that in both those uh, both those organizations. Um, you know, the Lansing Chamber. we we chose to. I'm from Metro Detroit. Like I said, I I, I don't live in Sterling Heights anymore, but I'm still in Metro Detroit. Um, but like when I went to Lansing and saw the culture, spoke to the local, even the local government in Lansing is fantastic. They 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 had it on on point right away, and I think a lot of that is probably uh, historical. Um, with organizations such as the Lansing Chamber, they build a relationship with the local government for for business in general, and those things that were learned or experienced ten years prior in other in other um, industries or whatnot, they've cascaded into us, and they just made it. Super easy at at the. I shouldn't say that. They made it pleasant at uh, at the city of Lansing. I think the chambers, or the local chambers, always have uh, influence on that. Um, as far as the MICIA, I mean, when I when I first spoke to Robin on the phone, um, and uh, the person that introduced me to her said, you know, she's the godmother. And then uh, after I spoke to her once, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I'm familiar with her enough to call her that. Um, she was great. I was I was on board right away. Um, as a matter of fact, one of those—the first time I met Ryan was at a dinner after an event at the Capitol, and everyone's phone buzzed at the same time with one of these announcements from from the judge, and everyone's reacting at the table, and it was it was kind of interesting. So with the MICIA, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it, admittingly over the last uh, year during during the pandemic when when I've had to step up uh, big time in the day-to-day um, tasks of our company just because of uh, the inherent challenges. It's, it's, I've missed the in-person uh, events for that. So it. those are always great. The, the networking in the MICA is great. Every time I, I see Robin or, or anyone on the board, they're like, well, how can we help you? Is there anything? And uh, I just, uh, we appreciate that. Um, and looking forward to more in-person things so that we can continue to be more involved in that. Uh, organization
0: so yeah i'm both uh, members of both of those as well of course and <clears throat> take a, a lot of pride in the MICA and what it's been able to do in michigan and what a business tool but uh so i have a question It's uh it's getting that time of year again and myself i've been preparing for this crop over and what the market's gonna do and the way i'm placing my products and uh, I gave plan pretty hard. I'm not gonna go into all that right now, and it's starting to happen. what is uh, are you involved in? Uh, do you, do you transport some of uh, the fresh frozen and what does uh, Croptober do from a a transporter's perspective?
1: Sure, yeah, I mean we 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 transport everything uh, for for a, an array of customers from the smallest grow to the largest one. so yes, we we're involved in all that. We feel the tension, we feel the emotions um, that come with this time of year um, so what what are, what are we seeing uh, we're seeing people scrambling and planning uh, like it sounds like you guys have been doing as well to try and hedge the effects of this um, it affects us it affects the, it affected us last year with you know it just naturally slows down um, obviously all the outdoor farms, uh, chopping down and and, and and coming bringing that product to market in whatever form that they are I, I would hazard a guess mostly to fresh frozen or, or to, to a, a distillate product um, it just it, it kind of it floods things it's just a natural cycle that I think we all need to get used to um, and uh, you know I think historically it's it's had more effect um, than it than it should now and what I mean by that is uh, you know, there's gonna be a lot of distillate coming into the market, that that's, goes without saying. I don't know how much of that flour that's getting chopped down will actually make it to the shelves as flour, but um, there, sh- there shouldn't be such a, a wave in things as far as the flour market, in my humble opinion. I, I think the, the, the history behind the Croptober is, you know, California chopping their stuff down and blasting it out through the country, and that shouldn't affect us uh, in Michigan with in the commercial. Uh, market, um, but it definitely does. So, doesn't matter if it's real. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what happens, and and, and that's uh, it's got it's it's got people emotional right now, and everyone's aware of it. So, well, I think um,
2: I, I I think that's you know partially due to the fact that there are a lot of people coming into the cannabis industry not understanding that this is a natural cycle of things that have it's been happening. In Michigan, you know, we have one growing season and at the end of the growing season there's more product available, basic supply and demand. But I think a lot of people came in thinking, oh, there's gonna be, they just start rolling, they have all this money invested, and all of a sudden they're seeing these great, huge prices that were are ridiculous. They were super ridiculous, you know? Not sustainable, not okay for the, you know, for the consumer, they're, you know, especially if you wanna try and do anything with the black market. But anyway, um, that it is a natural occurring cycle, and you should get used to it, but, I mean, maybe it was just a little bit of, uh, you know, people get scared, they start, you know, dumping stock or you know a lot of that if they don't understand something so yeah i think maybe we'll see it something different this year you know we're definitely um it's been an interesting growing season not the same as last year and that's the thing with michigan too is that it's kind of a gambled outdoor as far as what your end product's actually going to end up being
0: yeah it's uh it's i i like that analysis from both uh, both of you guys and um i really uh i'm looking at it and last year i learned uh what it did to the market when you know retail sales in july were 175 million in august 165 september is going to be strong you know maybe 160 165 what you'd be right there but then when everybody last year the retail sales just dipped so hard because it was the first year everyone could grow 12 of their own and everybody grew and it was a great growing year and everybody was smoking for free for about a month, month and a half, and and that was like what you guys talked about—that crazy panic, like the dip in prices that went down so fast. So, with that, you know, I'm rambling on here, but I don't think, uh, you know, I think people are gonna be a little more ready for it. But I think there's a lot of people that uh, that are uh, uh, that aren't. So, you know, it's fascinating time, and I'm definitely starting to feel the tension as well. So that was a good good analysis, Michael.
1: Yep, and and and. I think like, like anything, like Tom said, it's, it's, a, it's every season's different. So what happened last year could be a little different version this year and what happens three years from now will be a different version then. And and at the same time in parallel, the market's changing, the market's maturing, you know, you, you have all these activities going on, all these mergers and acquisitions and all, all this going on. So it's a big mixed bag dumped into one time period and we'll see how, we'll see what happens. So, um, like but most, you also
2: have more people coming into, yeah. you know, into the regulated space to purchase cannabis now. Seems like more and more people are getting comfortable with the idea of visiting a provisioning center, and uh, you know, Michigan has a pretty large population, also.
1: Yep, and that and that's the that's the goal, right? Is to uh, to educate, to end end the stigma, and get and get the segment of Michigan that can become part of this market engaged in the market. So. Like Tom's saying, there are people who now are not hesitant to go into into a dispensary, that's awesome. And I think those people that go into dispensaries that are kind of the new cannabis user or one that, or somebody that used to use cannabis, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they've got a job, they can't do it, you know, now that things life changes or, or whatever, um, they're going into the dispensaries, the provisioning centers, they're making purchases there um, and that that kind of takes takes them out of the. I don't think they're in the black market anyway. So to me, those those people are all upside, and uh, educating uh, that potential market, I think, is is a wise thing to do. And I and yep. I know you three gentlemen, that's right in your right in your wheelhouse every every day. So we appreciate so it across the board. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you that. Well, thank you, and and let's not forget about we have a large population, but the border towns are off the hook in the UP and, and, uh, and the lower. That's a great, great that the Midwest is so far behind us. So yeah,
1: <laughs> right. It's very beneficial for right now, and then and, and, and you know Wisconsin and Indiana are like you, you get maybe one one news story every three months that uh, you know some committee in, in their legislature tried to do something and it just gets stalled, which is not good for the people in those states, but. Fantastic for our friends uh, running those stores
3: close to those borders. So that's that's great. That's all great. Hey, Michael. Just to shift gears a little bit, um, I know you took place in um, in the uh, the stakeholders work group uh, with the state of Michigan, um, and you guys have been active in in trying to have a say. Or at least know what's going on at all times. Um, talk to me a little bit about that that stakeholders work group and and what what came with it of it. Did you did you feel like it was more of a, a dog and pony show, or did you really think that some some good potential change came out of that group? Yeah, uh, we
1: we we try to be involved in all those as many as possible um, that are feasible. Um, so a couple a couple of the stakeholder groups that I participated in um, actually the one of them was the first. Uh, stakeholder meeting for the adult use uh, you know here's the statute what do you guys think based on your experience in the medical market um, and that one I feel was overwhelmingly positive what came out of that I mean they actually um, the director I uh, Mitchell Desmond Mitchell if he's still there I, but um, he was fantastic they, they just sucked in all of our ideas and actually implemented a, a ton of them I mean this is where you know, these the temporary uh, establishment licenses came out of that that those meetings and and all that. So that's that was all great. Um, most recently, I sat in, and I'm sure this is everybody's favorite: are the financial statement <laughs> stakeholder meeting. Um, so that one was interesting too. Um, they get it, um, meaning meaning the MRA. They understand. Uh, they know some of the the, the things that are. Uh, a challenge to us, and um, so some of the things that came out of there, we're, we're trying to just get everything mainstreamed. Um, I, it's a pain with the medical and the and the AU license. When I have I have one entity, you know what I mean. It's making it's it's servicing both, and and we're trying to uh, change some of the auditing rules so that we all only have to do one a year, um, which would be a huge huge burden lifted from us all. Not not just financial, just time. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm just turning in my uh, adult use uh, annual financial statement, and then my medical notice is coming. It's like an ever-ending cycle. Yeah, so. with enough
2: licenses, that could be a full-time job for one person just trying to keep up on that. And then, be, you know, between local inspections and all the other stuff, and it was just streamline things to one set of inspections, one set of standards. That would be kind of that would be kind of nice because it, it does get out of control.
1: Yep, and, and, I, and I wholeheartedly think that the n- majority of people in this industry are just trying to do the right thing. Just tell me what you want for me. I'll, I'm an open book. Here you go. Just, I don't want to do that same activity five different times if I don't have to, because it's not value added to us in the industry as the licensees, and it's not value added to the folks at the MRA. They got to be overwhelmed with, with everything. And like Tom, like you're saying, imagine you have, you know, a grow, a processor, and five shops, and all those licenses weren't, you didn't get them at the same time. So now you're on a perpetual, like you said, hire somebody just to do that. So, but I I think everyone can agree that where those type of things were three years ago, we've just made extreme uh, uh, positive, uh, you know, positive steps in all that stuff, so.
2: They've taken most of the things that you know, people have addressed and and done a really good job at addressing these issues, even though it seems slow to us, right? But, uh, you know, it could be way worse.
1: Yep, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We all have our, our other business partner, which is the state of Michigan. So, you know, they, they bring on their benefits and challenges. So, but again, I feel everyone's just trying to do the right thing for the most part, so. Maybe not the folks at Metro, but everybody else.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, I know we got a little bit of a slow start today, and Nate over at Martin Weymeyer worked his magic. I wanted to give uh, Kevin and Tom and yourself a chance to say goodbye. So, uh, Tom, uh, go ahead.
2: Hey, Michael, so good to see you again, man, and have a, I always enjoy our conversations. And next time you guys are up in Kalkaska, please come by again and knock on the door. I'd love to catch up.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm excited to see the progress you've made over there. I know you are well Not on your sure. way the last time I was there, so I appreciate that and most definitely yeah,
2: well. Slow and steady.
1: I like it. Kevin?
3: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, because of, uh, you know, the, the different products we've made, and, and sometimes we have, you know, provisioning centers pay for transport and whatnot. You know, we haven't worked together enough, but we were able to use you guys a, a couple of weeks ago, which uh, got us talking a little bit again. And, and uh, you know, if I could use you guys on every transport, I'd do it. Um, you know one of the things that always gets me is when it, we have a transporter come to try to solicit my business and tell me something like You know, well, we'll beat their price and it's this isn't about price for me It's about relationships and you guys do it right and I appreciate you guys you guys take care of me whenever I need you And uh, I really appreciate you having on the sh- uh, having you on the show today
1: Yeah, yeah Kevin again. Thanks for uh, for facilitating me onto the onto the program um, and I appreciate uh you know, you recognizing that, I mean, that, that's the type of company we are. We're, we're a relationship-based company and, and we, that's who we look to partner with is people that are interested in relationships. Um, in the beginning, if someone told me they're going to someone else for $20, I'd freak out. And now I'm just like, well, if that's that, then we're not gonna work together anyways. So, um, but yeah, I, I appreciate uh, our relationship and hope to, to grow it in the future.
0: Well, Michael, really appreciate you being on the show. It was a great perspective that we haven't had, and that's uh, one thing. As a as a secure transporter, you're really uh, in the know at the forefront of the market and what's happening. As long as like you're you're running your business like like it sounds like you did, and uh, it was uh, a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're gonna have to have you back on again soon to to, to hear about uh, hear about the update. So with that, we'll uh, we'll see everybody next week
3: yeah next time bring kevin too we want to see his mug
1: (laughs) no problem thanks guys really appreciate everything ryan thanks a lot man hope to uh hope to run into you guys more often
0: for sure the smoke and rope podcast is produced and hosted by me ryan Basor, the owner of redemption cannabis have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show contact us at ryan b at redemption thanks for being along for the journey